0: Welcome to Women's Rugby League podcast. I'm joined today by... Julia Lee. So, Julia, tell us a bit about women's in, Women in Rugby League.
1: Ah, Women in Rugby League, the project itself.
0: Yeah. Well, it started actually uh, probably in
1: 2017 when I was invited to an International Women's Day event and I was asked to guest speak and I went to Heritage Key, where all the history of the sport is kept, and they said, well, we're going to have a big day to celebrate Women's Rugby League. Um, and I came along with my box of stuff uh, from my refereeing days, and they had nothing in the whole archive of Rugby League at Heritage Key. they had nothing on women in Rugby League or wow. women who play Rugby League whatsoever. So at that point, I thought, this needs to change desperately Uh, people need to know about the women who've played rugby league over the uh, last century but also they need to know about the pioneers and the people that have brought the sport forward so that's where it started so this is our women in rugby league is a website now uh, and it started off initially in Batley in Castleford Hull um, and also Featherstone where I got a heritage lottery project and we just started collecting women's, any woman in those areas, uh, involvement in rugby league. It's now moved to specifically, we've just got another Heritage Lottery grant and actually looking at women who play or participate, who coach, anyone who's involved in the women's game, which is really important to us and really just beginning to home down onto it because basically there's, there's no records whatsoever about um when the league started in 1985, about the tours uh, from 96, although there was a tour in 1991, did you know that? No, um,
0: that's the thing, we like there's, about. No, there's, yeah, there's no yeah. history on it. I, I, like I was saying to you off air, I'll go to do research on stuff and no, it just doesn't exist. No. And actually what is there is incorrect in a lot of yeah. ways. Uh, on Wikipedia, and we've got this great guy in
1: Australia actually called John Moriarty, hopefully John's listening to this, who is like the Wikipedia king, and he's been contacting me for ages because he wants to get Wikipedia correct. So every time I get some validated evidence of what the score was or anything, and he, he goes off and he corrects it all. So he's great. And fancy
0: Moriarty, a name Moriarty, and he's uncovering you know, yeah. all the women and girls' international results. <laughs> No, that's that's, fant- that's fantastic, because it, the sport wouldn't be where it is without everyone who's gone out and done what they've done over the years.
1: No, not at all. And that was part of it as well, because so many people were telling me that Women's Rugby League started in 2017, and it was like, no, it didn't, you know, there was... I think it was '84 when the first three teams, 1984 when the first three teams formed, and then a league by 18, 1985. And these pioneering teams were actually being told by their, their MPs you shouldn't be playing. Yeah. What are you doing playing rugby? The they were being stopped from playing. They weren't given official referees. There was. No governing body as such because Barla at the time, British Amateur Rugby League, and the AFL didn't want to know. They didn't didn't know where to put these these teams that wanted to play because it was they, so unusual.
0: They'll have both being scared to put their hands up and take responsibility for it in case anything went wrong.
1: <laughs> really? That's exactly as it was. So, it um, was formed, Women's Amateur Rugby League Association, by a guy called David Clayton um, in Guiseley and Rod Lacey in Dudley Hill, who's... I think it was his wife at the time um, who wanted to play. It was his daughter No, his daughter wanted to play. Um, so they set up the league and then got other women involved and then it began to grow in the 1980s. I think at one point there was about 30 teams uh, playing uh, in the late 1980s, um, one being Fulham, who, which, who I set up in London.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they, they got another, another massive name from yesterday, but it's been rebranded, repackaged. And now, I don't, do they have a women's team there? Or is it, I know there's like London Chargers and there's a few other little teams sitting yeah, up now. Well,
1: well, they did because I went, so from my refereeing days, I was told that unless you've played, you can't referee. So I moved to London when I was 18 um,
0: for work. And I thought, well, I've got to play then. Yeah. So
1: I advertised in Time Out magazine in London, got all these southern women, a few northern women actually, that were exiles in London. And we formed it. At the time, Bev Risman was the coach at Fulham. Wow. And they played at Chiswick. And they played at Chiswick. And he was just a big supporter of developing the sport. So I said to him, Well, can we use Chiswick, you know, where Fulham played as out at home ground." Yeah, no problem. He gave us a couple of um, players to coach, coaches. But that's a whole other story. They'd never coached in the lives. Um, and then we used to travel up and, up and down the motorway um, playing the Northern teams. So the Halifax, uh, we played Wigan Widness You know, we used to just go up and down. We got absolutely stuffed because I always remember because the coaches that he gave us gave us set moves. So these women had never seen a game of rugby league.
0: Oh, and they just, gave
1: yeah. us, and they were giving us set moves, but we couldn't pass it, we couldn't kick it. Um, we didn't didn't know how to catch and these women hadn't even seen her play the ball Um, so our first game was against Halifax at home we did a curtain raiser as it was called before the Fulham game Um, and I remember Halifax Lisa McIntosh, she was just running through us like a train just smashing us and I remember our first time um, Miriam, who was our kicker kicked the ball upfield and we all just stood there and clapped because <laughs> 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 we managed to do something. We just didn't know how to teach. And then we got a great guy called Reg Pierce who began to coach us. And we did get a bit, I think we did win some fixtures, uh, but not many at all. Uh, not many at all, but they were great days. And I'm still in touch with some of those women now, but how many people know that there was a team in Fulham oh, in the yeah. Uh, yeah
0: yeah late 1980s and 90s? So was that your intention, playing or, or- my vision is I want to be a referee.
1: Yeah, well that's where it started. So when I was 17, um I saw the advert in the program and it's not that I wanted to be a referee. They wouldn't let me play at the time. There was no teams. Um and I just wanted to be involved in the sport and it was it was a dare to be honest. <laughs> and it was a bit of an accident I applied. Um so I applied and then got this letter dear sir you're very welcome and it's like Suddenly, I'd got thrown into this world that I wasn't quite sure. What I, was I was only 17, 18. But I thought, you know, I'm going to give it a go. And then, before long, the whole Daily Mail was involved. And my mother said, you can't give this up now. You've had all this publicity. You know, you're not embarrassing me by not yeah, carrying on with this.
0: You may have thought you were doing this for a short while. You're stuck with it now.
1: <laughs> you're stuck with it for life, yeah. So, once this the society had accepted me and it was like, Well, and then I moved to London quite quickly, so I only did two junior games, um, 211s, um, and then I moved to London, which only had Open Age. So I moved from, and they didn't tool you up then, so there was no refereeing courses. There was a bit of a laws of the game exam. They just threw you the laws of the game book and said, off you go. So when I got to London, it was just like a baptism of fire. I was refereeing these big, airy blokes from Australia, from New Zealand, um, expats, you know, ex Northerners, all who just wanted to fight, really. Yep. Uh, so I had to learn
0: my trade pretty quick. <laughs> no, that's. It's good, but the opportunities were actually given to people who asked. Because people, people forget like, That's Oh, we need more referees. Like, put your hand up. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, now yeah. it's a proper thing. So you, you went there. You, obviously, a young woman. Referee men. How long did you? How long did it take before people started like you? Obviously, publicity from whole Daily Mail. Did you get much publicity when you were down there?
1: Uh, Yeah, quite well. I became again because I've been told and my passion for the sport. So I, 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 it was in my blood. So when I went down to and I saw that they needed help and support, it was really small. It was a fledgling, fledgling. I'd been there since the sixties. But it still wasn't, you know, they only had open age, so I became the PRO uh, for my sins. I also started coaching in the estates in all the schools uh, and things like that. I remember one one, (laughs) one, one, one area, this guy, they just gave me a bag of balls, this development (laughs) officer, and I went on to an estate in, I think it was North London. Uh, with about 12 balls and 100 kids approached me to go, to go coaching I would mean, only just pass me coaching but know, that's another story so yes yeah, so I began to get so because I was doing open and they remind me now actually my first my first brawl in London I cried after I came off crying I didn't stop the game I did the whole game
0: uh, yeah, but they were
1: just fighting in lumps
0: you managed to keep it professional on the pitch and after just go oh, wow yeah
1: and as I was going off I was like oh, oh, I do wrong because no one was there. You didn't have touch judges. There was no one there. I mean, you were going two hours on average to go and referee, so there was no no assessors or yeah. or anyone to look after it. But I used to dread it because I hadn't been really equipped. And that later on, um, when I worked for the Rugby Football
0: League, or as a volunteer as well, I
1: brought in referee training and nice. all those sort of things because you know you need to be able to be able to taught how to do it in order to be accomplished, don't you? And despite, you know, the Referee Society being lovely and the people there, they were all on just... They were enough referees to go around. So, yeah, so it sort of grew from there. I think I got a lovely Legs Lee article. Um, I am in... I was in Hemel Hempstead's clubhouse as well with all the players, a picture, because I was in Best magazine of Woman of the Week at one point, I think, and they were there. They took a picture with me and Hemel Hempstead and at one point I was in their clubhouse, I think. So, yeah, it gradually grew, I suppose, Um, When I went to Australia, which I went um, in 1988, and again, just went out, I went out to see the um, Lions touring um,
0: at the the time, the Great Britain Lions, it's when we won one test match and that great Des Drummond Drummond wiggled. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just went out to watch. um, But I ended up staying for a year and refereeing. So, went into manly as you do. That's why I was the first woman in Australia as well, because I just happened to turn up, got my refereeing ticket. I found the other day in my account I, I got a coaching badge, but I don't remember doing that. So, whenever I did everything, because they kept saying to me I wasn't good enough, because I was a woman and I had to prove myself, I just did everything I could to be the best that I could be. So, I became a coach, got, you know, past 100% the referees, the laws, anything I did, fitness wise, all those sort of things. And in Australia, because I'd had quite a song and dance when I was here uh, in the UK as a referee, but I got three lines, seen the Pommy Whistler.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is brilliant.
1: Yeah, it changed when I went to... Because they didn't mind me refereeing kids, but when I went back 10 years later, it was a bit different, to be honest. When I was a referee in open age, they were a bit... They weren't as accommodating... Um, but yeah, when I first started, they just and it was great actually Australia because I learned how to referee. Yeah, uh, so they had a really good system. It, I brought a lot back actually from there. So they used to have nights where they taught you how to. So it's not just the laws of the game; it's how to interpret them and how to blow your whistle and where do you stand and how do you do the signals and a whole host of things. Yeah. That they
0: appreciated. The things you probably should have done had given to you right at the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. You, yeah. You're already, yeah, yeah, You're already established and now you're getting trained.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and it, it was good because it gave me confidence when I came back and that's when I started doing, taking it seriously, taking the fitness test, started doing conference and then moving into the professional game uh, when Fred Lindock, the great Fred Lindock, was a controller of referees.
0: Oh, wow. So, yeah, you... that's achievements just there, let, let alone the rest. Like... <laughs> me, can you imagine the amount of press you'd have got now? When there's a massive... What, being a blurb,
1: do you think?
0: Oh. If, say, say, say this was now when the first female was refereeing. Because the ga- the game's always had a following, but it's always been a friend of a friend or family. Now there's people yeah, yeah. who are just genuine fans. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's like you were doing that and getting articles written about you and stuff like that. In a time when there was nothing, like, you could have a Women's Great Britain team and no one would have blinked.
1: Well, that's exactly what they didn't.
0: They didn't, yeah, they didn't they? They, they, they kept <laughs> and going, oh, you don't want to watch that, you don't want to watch that. Watch. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, can you, imagine, can you imagine now, like, how how big, but people forget, like, you've had to do stuff like that and then learn what you needed to learn to give to people afterwards. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what I see now, and
1: I guess this project is all from that really with the women in Rubelligan particularly the life with because it's we're calling it life with the
0: lionesses nice. because uh, there's a whole host of games that nobody
1: knows these these women that basically sacrificed their lives really yeah. to play the sport they loved so they were training three times a week they were meeting and training so they were travelling and training on some occasions three times a week all together um, they, were, they had to raise the first two was 50 grand uh, in 1996, the French was a yeah, bit so different. I
0: haven't got fifty grand. In fifty grand in 1996. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, 50, yeah. fifty grand now is a massive chunk of money. So yeah, fifty grand yeah. then, when there was probably little to no sponsors, zero coverage of no. anything whatsoever.
1: They were bucket collecting outside grounds. Yeah. They were doing race nights. They were they were doing all sorts to get that money. Um, and the, that's what we're uncovering we're getting the stories so we're going to interview 50 women 50 well at least 50 I'll interview as many as I can and do some podcasts and things around it as well for them to tell their stories so the team manager on the women in rugby league website at the moment the, the team manager Nikki Carter of that first tour and she talks about they had to strap there was no bank accounts then so they had to strap the money to her wrist as she walked around Australia with it's 50 grand <laughs> <laughs>
0: proper sinister (laughs) yeah Yeah. oh wow yeah because obviously now sports teams they have proper bank accounts for things like this now yeah Um, absolutely and it was all new then yeah probably probably like you'd have struggled to get one as as a normal men's team yeah
1: yeah well eventually they became associate members of Bala, did Wala. Uh, all these acriments um, but they had a a Great Britain committee under Waller that, um the great woman Jackie Sheldon who this will uncover who a lot of people say Jackie who unless they wear of the time so what's driven this as well is she's got a whole attic worth of stuff right from 1985 but also about the tour because she was an assistant coach on 1996 and then she was the head coach in 1998, 2000, 2002 and 2003 and she's kept everything, she's kept everything and it's just brilliant, you go into her attic and it's like right. a treasure trove of things uh, and all the stats, facts and she was also the league de- women and girls rugby league development officer she was the first, first one and she was in the spot probably as in working or involved at, at that level for 10 years and then in 2003, she left, and people have forgotten about her. And she was a pioneer of this sport. Yep. She did, she brought in girls' festivals. She brought in development plans to help develop the sport. She single-handedly, really, took those five tours on and got them out with, with volunteers, but she drove it. She didn't just coach. She helped get all the money. Yeah, she did she everything backstage the, as well. Publicity, you know, she was getting the communication, the publicity, you name it, she was doing it. How she did it in the town I think she exhausted herself by two thousand and three to be honest. But it's women like that that I want to tell the game about. You know, without um without them, the game wouldn't be where it is. And there's so many more pioneers that and, and the women that played that nobody knows anything about.
0: I love it, but I, I wanna. You you know I wanna hear everything. I wanna know yeah, all yeah, the things yeah. that I've gone on to get get so we've got You've got them, you've got a podcast coming up, which is fantastic, and we'll get that posted out on here and all our socials. So you've got a bit of a tour going on at the moment as well. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Uh,
1: Yeah, you mean as well, all our exhibitions and things like that?
0: Well,
1: that's the plan. Um, So at the moment, we're collecting all this memorabilia, we're collecting women's women's stories and, and women's memories, really. Um, and we've got a load of volunteers at Heritage Key at the moment that are making sense of all that and collecting all the stats and facts and things. And the intention is our first one's going to be in York, actually, in June uh, 18th, 19th, but we're getting a touring exhibition. So what we intend to do is, is tour all this, particularly linked to the Rugby League World Cup. So we've got 10 areas that we initially targeted that I know where the pioneering teams were because I'm that old and I was around at the time. So there's areas like Wigan, Warrington, um, although witnesses have just been in touch and they're going to have it, uh, Castleford, Featherstone, Wakefield, Hull, um, Huddersfield, obviously you can't not go in the birthplace
0: of oh, the yeah. league. Yeah,
1: York, Leeds. So we we sort of identified in the heritage Lush for a bit, but we will go anywhere to be honest because it's important that we. Oh, and also, we'll, we'll be going in the Houses of Parliament. Get so. In. Yeah, get in there, we don't know when yet but the, uh, we've got the sort of green light that the MPs want us there so we've just got to make that happen um, but we're going to tell the story of these women and then what I want to do is those women that were part of the Lionesses and the Pioneers I want them to, them to head it all up it's not, this is this is about them and, and getting their voices out from their local areas uh, the Jane Banks of Warrington the Lisa McIntosh of Halifax the Brenda Dobeck of Wakefield who I think, is the most capped player, but we'll prove that through this project, but also coached a team for eight years that I think was only beaten once. How like, amazing is that?
0: Yeah, like treble winning, literally winning everything.
1: What everything, What everything. And interestingly, when my player, re- uh, I've had a player written about me, and when it when it toured in 2018, one of the cast, one of the guys, one of the actors who was from Castleford said to me, my auntie played a bit. And I went, oh, was she? And he went, Brenda Dove. I went, your auntie didn't play a bit. She was one of the most brilliant players ever. You know, one of the most talented players ever. Um, nobody could stop her. Absolutely amazing athlete. And she, I think she played until she was 36, but also she was a coach in 2007-8. So she coached England uh, for a few years, years
0: as well, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, I that have I'm going to go to as many of them as I can do because they're all in areas, but I I travel to anyway. But no, that's, yeah, fa- that's yeah. fantastic. Take it Not just like, here's what, taking it to people, have a look at this. Did you know? Like, you're going, but so, so, someone whose auntie was Brenda Dobeck, she used to play a bit. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, it should be taken to the people, isn't it? Yeah, it should, because it should be. Because this is
1: people's history. This is a people's history, and this is how you uncover other history. People just don't know about it. So the intention of this was to take it to the people and have it in local clubhouses, not particularly um, museums and things like that, although if that comes up, that's brilliant, but actually taking it to the local locality. We're also going to run some podcast workshops for so young people can interview these lionesses Please,
0: as well. Yeah. So that's an intention. Uh,
1: we've got the exhibition, and we've got the film power mary that we're sort of taking around with us as well joanna lester who produced power mary which is a story of the papua new guinea women uh, as, and their build-up for going into the Rugby league world cup it's it's a documentary also we filmed ref the play uh, which is the play that's written about my story so we've got that to show as well if anyone else is interested so if anyone knows that's particularly listening to this about someone that's sort of wants to host this, wants to be involved in this, then you know everything's on at the minute for us to be able to do it. Um, and we're just looking for places to, to take it on, really. And just engage. I want people to engage with it and, and put stuff around it to make it a real celebration of women in Rugby League.
0: And what are you to do? it? And You've got a World Cup year. You're going to have the, mo- the most covered the game's ever going to be this year. And that's just with what's scheduled so far let alone the stuff that's going to come out through the season and stuff like that. So you're going to be like, here's your history. You've seen that on television. Here are the people who helped set this up. Oh, and by the way, we're down the road from you. You want to yeah, come and yeah, have a look? Brilliant. You know, what a, ta- what a time to be doing it in because it is literally the boom time for women's rugby this year.
1: Yeah, it is. It's a great time, isn't it? And I know internationally it's growing. So internationally we've uncovered some really great history already. So I chair the women and girls advisory group internationally. Uh, So we've written a strategy for the women's game and how we're going to grow the sport. But because of that, it's put me in a real privileged position. So I'm in touch with um, last year in September. It was 100 years before the first ever women's rugby league game in Australia in 1921 and it was done by accident because um, they accidentally signed off that this game could be played and before they knew it Dally Messenger had volunteered to kick the ball off of the first ever women's rugby league game in Sydney it was uh, before 30,000 people Wow That was the first women's rugby league game and then it had a couple of years worth and, and they were getting big crowds a bit like women's football and then in the 1950s, um, Dr. Victoria Dawson's uncovered some games in the 1950s that took place in Cumbria, out and about and around Papua New Guinea. Had some games in 1970s that nobody knows about. So what I'm hoping with this as well, it, it
0: opens up the history globally yep. of women
1: that attempted to play but then get held back.
0: You're getting people thinking of people. Oh yeah, actually, yeah, there was. I'm sure there were some matches. And then before you realise it, oh yeah, actually has been played continuously, it's just we forgotten. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's the whole thing and if you don't tell the stories, if you don't have it documented which is what this project will do, people don't know about it. Uh, and it, it, that's the beauty that I keep uncovering things. As I said to you up there that, you know, I knew there was something in 1991. I, I had an inkling, but not quite sure that there was, but they played France. So there was some women's, a women's team that played France that represented the country. Uh, I need to find out a lot more about it. So I think there's one woman from Halifax has contacted me and there's a couple in want that played in that game. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So we need to uncover that and find out more about that and tell everyone, tell the
0: world about it. That's it, and you, you go like, I've had an inkling, and all of a sudden, oh yeah, I was there. Yeah. yeah I remember that, I was, I was on that, I was on, yeah. No, that's amazing, so like, your website's up and running, you're doing really well with social medias as well. Yeah, so, got the, yeah, we're
1: doing really well with
0: that. On Twitter, Facebook, Instagram search, women in rugby league, that's, that's where right. you'll find these guys, because they've got, you've got a lot planned, you've got a lot going on, you you're basically keeping the eyes on the game in downtime we have kick off of Women's Challenge Cup this weekend which had fantastic viewing figures and you know more coverage than ever and then you've got now we've got oh yeah now look at this is what's happened previously
1: yeah
0: so how many years did you referee for in total Uh, about 16 years I actually
1: refereed yeah I got injured in 1998 uh, and I gave it away eventually in two thousand and one. So a player ran into me and really damaged my back badly, um, and I just couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't do multi-direction. But as as it was, it was meant to be because I then started in administration, and then that was a whole whole different ball game, as they say, so often in rugby league. Um, that I just you know I just immersed myself in in the development of the sport and 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 twenty years I, I was working. Uh, well, 22 years in sports development, in rugby league sports development, which, you know, what a joy to be in a sport
0: that you love, helping develop it um, throughout the UK. Yeah, see, so you, you can't really have asked. Obviously, like you said, you, you, it's a positive. I got injured it turned out, you know, probably, yeah, because it took me in a different direction and then, mm. yeah, it's, it's amazing because obviously, like, you've got Tara Jones, you've got Beavers, who were getting recognition from the official being officials and match officials and referees. Yeah, I've been at matches when they are refereed and there's no difference if anything they get a bit more respect. Yeah.
1: It's lovely to see, isn't
0: yeah, it? Yeah, it honestly is because it's like, oh, I've seen so well, I see what I have a woman put, and I put bloke Yeah, but I'd less likely swear in front of a woman while playing than a male referee. Yeah. Mm. So it's actually probably getting more better behaved players now. But yeah, Yeah. um, you've got all that coming up. Who else are you trying to uncover? Is there any any particular years you're looking for?
1: Uh, Well, this particular project's 19, well, it's 1991 now. Uh, So it's all about the internationals up to 2003 for sure. Um, And then there was a bit of a gap. Uh, We think there was a few games between 2003 to 2008 that are not recorded. But the RFL have things from 2008 of which we still need to. Yeah. One of the things around this is these women have never been capped. They've never been recognised for playing for the country. So in um, November, we'll have a big event for these women and they'll all get the caps, so we need to make sure everything's right, everything's correct. So if anyone out there is listening, has got stats, facts, things that we can um, match and make sure uh, authenticates what we're doing, that's brilliant. Uh, Although we have got quite a lot of information. The other thing is, we've we've not got a Hall of Fame for women. So
0: the other thing that this project... I tried to set one up, and it was like opening a can of worms. Oh yes, twenty yeah. years on. Yeah, <laughs> I I tried I tried to do one, and it was literally I tried to do it not off my opinion. I just let people vote for who they wanted, and oh, I end up I had to bin it. I was like, oh my, I can't I can't handle this. I'm not I'm not worthy to 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 do, make this judgment, but having a women's hall of fame is an absolute must. Absolutely, and it's something that I keep telling people
1: it's an itch I've had to scratch for quite a long time. So we've got um, a, committee set, uh, a committee set up. We've got criteria that's been recognised by the RFL and Rugby League cares um, and it'll run us alongside the men's. Yeah. Uh, so it's different. We don't just want to recognise players. We want to recognise the pioneers in the sport as well and clubs. Um, initially, we'll start small and then it'll grow. Uh, but the start of that will be this year from this project that so it'll all sort of uncover and it's just what the sport's needed is saying I'm so pleased you you're ecstatic about because to me I, I get goosebumps thinking about it I get goosebumps about these women are finally going to be recognised you know that, that the women that um, you know were the first internationals finally, and you speak to the women, and it was the best time in their lives.
0: Yeah, you know, what, um, look, when you're young and you're doing stuff with your mates and you're enjoying what you're doing, it goes so fast. Yeah, yeah. And they have a chance to look back on it, and everyone's go, "Oh, do you remember we played X, and you did. Oh, yeah, that's amazing." I be I've been running for twenty twenty one season, twenty nineteen season. I set up a women's awards ceremony, women's awards for the season, just because there wasn't one. Yeah. So you get to end of the season. Well done, see you later, ladies. You've now got a woman of steel, but that's it. Yeah. And I'm like, to to be fair, I was going to try and do the stats on top try scorer this season, but after one weekend and not being able to find match reports, that's uh, that's gone dude, out the window. Because, uh, I I spent two days trying to find out who scored what this weekend, and I just, a hundred percent, hand on heart, don't think I got it right.
1: Oh dear. But That's not good, is it?
0: That's not good. No, because you you got a project going on like this and say, now, should be easy to document, everything's online. It's hard. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's another piece to do, isn't it? Because uh, I'm not sure with this, I mean, what I'd love to do, the next stage of this is going right back to the pioneers who played and finding out local clubs, who's there, the, you know, that set up the league initially, the Geiselies, the Halifaxes, the Dudley Hills, and trying to find out who the tri-scorers were and things. But I think that's going to be a, a, a too difficult task. It's just not recorded, and if it is recorded, you know, we don't know if it's right. And unless I find some little gems that... So there's a woman in Halifax that's contacted me that's kept everything on Halifax Women. We need more people oh. like her.
0: Super, <laughs> a, a proper super fan of that club would go, no, look at this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can, can you imagine that, just being able to have a record of, like, this person we celebrated is also the equivalent of this person from the modern time now. Because yeah. they actually outscored that person.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure if we could get... Particularly, I mean, Wakefield Panthers were winning 90 nil. Uh, so you can imagine the tries that they ran up, uh, the scores that they ran up. So if we could, you know, get all of that, that would be fascinating in stats, wouldn't it? But it's it's a bit like now, you know, how there's sort of, at least there's probably four really great clubs now yeah. that you know will be competitive. Then it was just Wakefield Panthers and Dudley Hill. You could throw into the mix that that would win everything.
0: Yeah, they were really, um, literally a handful, and pretty much the entire the England squad were condensed over three teams. Yeah. And yeah. they they go now all all the, they complain now the England team is spread out between four. and It's like, used to be free Great Britain used to be three teams. Majority of them was all from, all from Wakefield, Pampers. Absolutely,
1: yeah. And if 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 they started off not from Wakefield, they then they moved to there. Wakefield. <laughs>
0: Well, that's about it for this episode. Let's tell people where they can find you online. Uh,
1: Just type in uh, Women in Rugby League and you will find us on our website, which is a .org website, but you'll find us on all social media. We're on LinkedIn, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, um, and we're on Facebook. Just type in Women in Rugby League and you will find us.
0: That's it. It's all the information we talked about. You'll see it on there and they've got good content. So please check it out. Thank you for coming on. We'll get you back on in the near future. And I hope you've all enjoyed this as much as I have.